Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News, all the news that you can use in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and just general groovy animal stuff. You probably know how this works by now, but if you don't, um, I'm going to share a bunch of news stories with you. And one way that you can help me is by sharing animal news that you see with me. You can tag me at Ross Safari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And of course, make sure you're following along on all of those as well. Or at Ross Safari Pod on TikTok, the app that I keep claiming I'm going to start using more. And it's probably a lie at this point. Hey, whatever. Anyway, or you can email me stories directly to rossafaripod at gmail.com. And if you send me stuff, you'll get to hear your name towards the end of the episode as I thank you for it. So, like, yay. Another way that you can hear your name at the end of the episode is by being one of my Red Panda-level patrons. That's right, y'all. I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Rossafari, and you can go there to support the pod. There are a bunch of different levels, the highest of which is Red Panda. Now, at whatever level you support the pod, you get cool stuff, including bonus audio from many of the interviews that I do. Uh, And also, if you go all the way up to the Red Panda level, you'll get to hear your name at the end of every episode. Except for the ones where I forget to do that. But I'm, I'm working on being more consistent, and I'm, I'm sorry if I've forgotten once or twice. But I, I love you all, and not just my Red Panda patrons, but all of you. But probably my Red Panda patrons most of all. So last week in this area, before we get into the different types of news, I recommended a book series, uh, Hollow Kingdom, and then the sequel, Feral Creatures, by Kira Jane Buxton. Uh, I've got to tell you, I now finished Feral Creatures, and it was amazing. In in fact, the last, like, quarter of that book, maybe even the last third, hit really hard for me in in a good way. Um, I loved it. And I love that I had multiple people message me this week asking me what the book recommendation was again and swearing that they were going to buy it. I'm not saying that we're going to do a Rossafari book club here, folks, but, like, you know— It was cool to see so many people interested, and I could be convinced. So if you have bought it, let me know. And if you're planning on buying it, let me know. And um, if that's something that you might be interested in trying to do, a book clubby type thing, I know I keep saying this, but hey, let me know. Um, Because obviously I'm only going to try to do something like that if there is interest. But uh, if there is, why not? I like talking about books because I am a nerd. So, okay, I think it is time to get to the rest of the episode, but first, here is an ad. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. 
Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. All right, y'all, it is time for the news. So let's get it started with a parody song about Zoo News, because, hey, did I mention that I'm a nerd? I did? Huh. Okay, well, now I mentioned it twice. Well, it's one for the pandas, two for the bears, three for the monkeys. Now you should care, now won't you listen to Zoo News? Oh, you could do anything, but why not listen to Zoo News? So we start off this week by talking about Hurricane Ida, which landed in New Orleans and then made its way up the eastern coast of the United States. The Audubon Zoo is the zoo that is in New Orleans, and they did a really great job securing all of their animals and staff who stayed on site during the hurricane, not losing a single animal to Hurricane Ida's winds. Well, temporarily losing one, but only for a little bit. There was one fence at the zoo that fell down and three Barasinga deer got loose. Barasinga deer are not threatening and are totally safe. I mean, they're deer, y'all. Um, and two were quickly wrangled and instantly gotten back in, but the third one got to wander the zoo for a while. The winds were strong enough that staff was not able to go after the deer. However, the deer was found healthy once the storm had passed. It was returned to the paddock, and thus none of the animals at the Audubon Zoo were lost to Hurricane Ida. The Audubon Aquarium of the Americas is also located in New Orleans and is right up against the water, but suffered no real damage. All animals there were fine as well. Interestingly enough, it was some of the areas in the Northeast that were not prepared for Ida to hit as hard as it did or drop as much rain as it did that took the most damage because it was unexpected. New York, Philadelphia, Connecticut, all these areas took some serious damage from Ida. However, I will say that the zoo staffs did amazing work, and so far I have not been able to find a single example of an animal that was lost during this time. I will say, though, that a lot of your favorite zoos are currently facing financial difficulties when it comes to cleaning up from the flooding and rebuilding. 
My home zoo, Elmwood Park Zoo, is one of the ones that took a lot more damage than, you know, maybe expected and had some flooding to deal with. So uh, you can go to elmwoodparkzoo.org if you're able to make a donation and also uh, maybe check in on your own local zoo, see if they need help. I'm, I'm willing to bet that some of our favorite places uh, from the podcast, like the Cape May County Zoo... And the Bergen County Zoo and the Bronx Zoo. Okay, they haven't been on the podcast yet, but I love them anyway. Uh, Philadelphia Zoo. I bet there are a lot of zoos that need help right now because of the impact of Ida. So uh, go give it to them if you can. And like I said, if you're not sure where to go, elmwoodparkzoo.org. I love them. And now I have a whole bunch of pregnancies to tell you about at different zoos all of which are cool and unique and exciting in a variety of different and important ways. We start off with our friends at the Akron Zoo. Now, you may remember from the episode from there talking about Wild Asia that they have a pair of white-cheeked gibbons that they are hoping will mate. But they weren't sure if it was going to work out. Well, it worked out. Parker, the female white-cheeked gibbon at the Akron Zoo, is pregnant and expecting her baby between December 15th and 27th. White-cheeked gibbons are critically endangered, and both Parker and Milo, her mate, have never been a parent before. So they're super important genetically, and also maybe not entirely sure what they're doing as pregnant gibbons, so uh, the Akron Zoo will be closely monitoring the entire situation and also sharing a lot of updates on their Facebook and Instagram at Akron Zoo. And some other exciting births of an endangered species. The Metro Richmond Zoo is proud to announce the births of three cheetah litters. The mothers are Ray, Vila, and Kari. That's right, y'all. We are talking three litters of cheetahs that were born at the zoo's Cheetah Conservation Center, which is a private specialized area dedicated solely to the protection of cheetahs that is off grounds. And uh, between these three litters, they have 11 total new cheetah cubs. One of the mothers and cubs will be living on exhibit for guests to see and get to watch the cheetah cubs grow. Now, y'all may remember from my episode with Linda Castaneda at Cincinnati that sometimes people say that cheetah cubs are ugly. No, no, that is just factually incorrect. I don't care if it's an opinion. It's factually incorrect. And uh, if you get the chance to go to the Metro Richmond Zoo and see these cheetah cubs, you will have that fact proven to you as well. But congrats to the Metro Richmond Zoo team for this incredible three litters of cheetahs. Woo! Now, if you are a fan of the Cincinnati Zoo, you already know that Lightning, their female sloth that is an ambassador animal, is very, very pregnant. In fact, she could give birth right now as I am recording this. Uh, the window is open all the way into October, though, because sloths not only have a long gestation period, but also it's very hard to pinpoint exactly when within that period the baby will be born, and thus it can take a long time. That was my impression of a sloth talking about 
being a sloth and giving birth. Anyway, I'm a goober. But um, one of the cutest things that I have seen recently, and if you haven't checked it out yet, it's on Instagram at Cincinnati Zoo. Lightning is currently practicing with a stuffed sloth baby. That's right, y'all. Lightning is learning how to climb around and move with a sloth laying on her stomach, as they often do, by using a stuffed sloth to do so. It is adorable. But it's not only adorable and helps her get used to the sensation of having a baby there, but they also then remove the stuffed sloth, which will help her get used to the care team, including our friend Colleen Adams, removing the baby for health checks. How brilliant is that? And adorable. Yeah, I'm back on that. It's real cute, y'all. Highly recommend you check it out. And then for our last exciting and cool and rare birth announcement this week, eight Burmese rat snakes have hatched at the St. Louis Zoo. This is the first time that Burmese rat snakes have ever hatched at a U.S. zoo. There honestly aren't a lot of U.S. zoos that care for the species, and the ones that do have never had a successful hatching before. So congratulations to the incredible Herp team at the St. Louis Zoo. Hopefully, this is the start of a lot more success in breeding this beautiful species. And last but not least in zoo news this week, a quick reminder that wild animals do not make good pets. And sometimes agencies and even zoos have to intervene when an attempt is made to have one as such. For instance, the Humane Society of the United States, New York State Department of Environmental Conservation, New York City Police Department, and the Bronx Zoo collaborated last week to remove an 11-month-old, roughly 80-pound, cougar from a New York City home. Yep, from a home. And here's the crazy part. Well, I mean, there was a cougar in a New York City home. That's the crazy part. But the owner surrendered the cougar on their own when they realized it didn't make a good pet. You see, the person who sold it to them apparently told them that it would be a perfectly wonderful pet, and they naively believed this. They surrendered their cougar on their own and were crying the whole time, feeling terrible about the situation. This isn't a story of some total jerk just deciding that they deserved a cool special animal. This is the story of a very misguided person who is also the victim of the illegal wildlife trade. Thankfully, the person in question did realize what was going on and made the right choice. The Bronx Zoo briefly took the cougar in to make sure that everything was all right, and then once the vet check was complete, sent the cougar on its way. The cougar will begin a new life at Turpentine Creek, an accredited sanctuary in Arkansas. It's so awesome that amazing places like the Bronx Zoo will not only help their own animals, but help situations like this. And now... Presentation! Presentation! News time! Oh yeah! And we are going to start conservation news this week by turning it over to Rossafari News Senior Penguin Correspondent Katie Prop. Take it away, Katie. 
Hello, John. Thank you so much for having me again on Raw Safari. My name is Katie Propp, and I am the Conservation Education Director at Penguins International, and we are proud partners of the Punta San Juan program. They do incredible work to help threatened Humboldt penguins in South America. Right now, our organization is looking for penguin protectors willing to chip in as little as five bucks to help us crowdfund a mobile field station and base camp for Punta San Juan scientists. Since the pandemic began, the old field station along the Peruvian coast was deemed unsafe. Scientists have been stuck in the city of Marcona, Peru, unable to do their vital penguin field research. We'd love to get boots back on the ground at the Punta San Juan Reserve by setting up this mobile field station and base camp so scientists and researchers have basic necessities like a bathroom, a small kitchenette, bunk beds, an office, and a small science lab. We care about this cause so much that Penguins International is matching donations up to $1,000. Your generosity will make a huge impact on the people and penguins that rely on the Punta San Juan Reserve. You can donate on GoFundMe at https dot dot slash slash charity dot gofundme dot com slash o slash e n slash campaign slash psj field station and base camp. Thank you so much. And thank you, Katie, and everyone at Penguins International for all the amazing work you do. Uh, And don't worry, I know that was a long URL, but I'm going to put it in the show notes. So depending on what app you use, you can either just click it or you may have to copy and paste. But go check it out. Make a donation, even if it's only five bucks. I'm going to go do that myself today. Also, if you keep an eye on my social media today, I am sure I will be posting about this, including the link. So lots of opportunities to go and help Katie Prop, Penguins International, and more importantly, actual penguins out with this amazing thing. And if you haven't heard Katie's episode yet, it's way back in season one, but go check it out because she is amazing. An organization known as Free the Bears, which you can find on Instagram at Free the Bears, has announced that they have had a crazy amount of bear rescues recently, including eight separate rescues, 11 bears, including nine cubs, in over just two months. It is suspected that there are a lot more bears being captured for the illegal wildlife trade right now because of financial issues due to COVID. Along with rescuing bears, Free the Bears also rescues bear cats, also known as binturongs, also known as one of my favorite animals. So make sure you check them out and support if you can. And now we go back to our earlier topic of cool births, although this time not at a zoo. A smooth hound shark was recently born into an all-female tank in Italy. The birth, said scientists, could be the first recorded asexual birth for the species. The mother of the baby has lived in a tank with one other female for 10 full years. So it is believed that the female named Ispira, which uh, means hope, 
is a clone of its mother born via parthenogenesis. Parthenogenesis is a form of asexual reproduction in which an egg is formed without fertilization. Uh, it is taken from the Greek word parthenos, meaning virgin, and genesis, meaning origin. Experts believe that more than 2,000 species reproduce this way. And while that might sound like a lot, there are a lot of species out there, y'all. It is a very small percentage. Most of the animals that reproduce this way are small invertebrates such as wasps or bees, stuff like that. It has been observed in roughly 80 vertebrae species. However, half of those have been fish and lizards. This type of asexual reproduction is not unheard of in sharks, but is incredibly rare. It will be cool to see what the scientists studying this shark learn. And finally, for conservation news this week, it appears that the battle against poachers in Kenya is working incredibly well to protect the elephant and giraffe populations in the area. The elephant population has increased by 12% in the past seven years in Kenya, and the number of giraffes has risen by 49% since 2019. That is an amazing success story. Much of the credit for these anti-poaching laws go to lawmakers who wanted to make sure that there were plenty of giraffes and elephants still available to be seen by tourists who come to the country to do just that. This is yet another example of the weird balance of ecotourism and how it can help actually save species. If you can convince local citizens that these animals are worth money, then they're more likely to save them. I know that some conservationists think it is crude to basically put a price on an animal, either individual or species, uh, but honestly, their value to the other citizens in the country that maybe don't care about their conservation as much or to the governments of these countries is incredibly important to realize and be able to express. It's kind of sad to say, but anti-poaching laws were hard to come by or increase fines for or anything when done in terms of conservation. But when done in terms of saving the tourist economy, well, those laws got passed. So, uh, hey, you know, we could talk about whether that's good or not and, and how that feels as conservationists all we want. But at the end of the day, elephants and giraffes are doing incredibly well in Kenya now because of these new laws that were passed to protect the tourism industry. And now... In Oven. So this first story is kind of animal-related and kind of just stupid people-related, but um, a, a current trend amongst especially the anti-vax crowd is to take the drug ivermectin if you get COVID, but not the version of ivermectin that is, you know, for humans. Nope. They're taking the version for horses that can be bought over the counter at, you know, places where you can buy stuff for horses, like feed stores and stuff. A lot of these places are selling out because people are taking horse drugs. Uh, 
Now, look, I'm guessing that nobody in my audience is doing this, but um, if you are, stop it because you're not a freaking horse. And also, if you're not taking the vaccine because you don't know or trust what's in it, but you're taking a horse drug, just stop. Seriously, stop it. Do you seriously want your last words to be, oh, I shouldn't have taken this, Wilbur? Man, that's a Mr. Ed joke. That is old school. That is like stuff my grandfather watched on TV. Man, I hope at least some of y'all got that. And hey, at least this gave me an opportunity to do a Mr. Ed impression. <laughs> oh, and on a side note about this story, uh, popular podcast host Joe Rogan, who is very suspicious of the vaccine, though claiming not to be anti-vax. I don't know. Rogan's a whole... That's a whole discussion. He's a whole thing. But uh, Joe Rogan got COVID. And here's the thing that really annoys me. So Joe Rogan is taking, you guessed it, ivermectin, the horse kind, but is also taking monoclonal antibodies and prednisone. Now, not sure about prednisone, but I know that monoclonal antibodies have been proven to help with the treatment of COVID. But he's telling everyone that he's taking ivermectin as well. So now a bunch of his followers are saying that ivermectin works because it's working for Joe Rogan, ignoring the fact that he is also using monoclonal antibodies, which have been proven to help. And this is how misinformation gets passed around so easily and why so many people end up only half listening and hearing what they want to hear and then spreading that around. Joe Rogan is not being healed by a horse drug. In fact, Joe Rogan has nothing to do with the horse except for the fact that he's being a horse's ass by spreading disinformation. And now, to continue with crazy news, police in Aspinwall, which is a town near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, are currently looking for the owner of a taxidermied rhinoceros head. The head was found by a man who was walking his dog one evening last week. At this time, no one knows who the rhino head belongs to, but they believe that it's around 50 years old, and nearby surveillance footage did show a suspect using a dolly to dump the head in the area. Um, no one knows why or what is going on with this. So, um, I guess if you have information about anybody who has tried to dispose of a taxidermied rhino head in the Pittsburgh area, contact the Aspenwall police, I guess. I don't know. Just too weird of a story to not share. And our last two stories for other news this week are both about cows. One of them is that there was a cow who was actually picked up by the winds of Hurricane Ida in New Orleans and got stuck in a tree. Human rescuers were able to go to the tree and cut around the branches and actually rescue the cow. And I'm just now realizing that I felt the need to say human rescuers, as though some of you may have thought that there were just other cows coming along with chainsaws and rescuing one of their own. That, in fact, is not the case. And finally, another cow has made news this week by sitting in the back seat of a car that is going through a McDonald's drive-thru. 
The car is a Buick sedan and, frankly, is one that I and other percussionists may need to think about buying if you can fit an entire cow in the back seat. It seems as though the cow is just a calf, and so it's not that surprising that it can fit in the back seat of a Buick, I guess. I never really thought about those size comparisons before. But uh, anyway, it's really funny that this has gone viral and that you can find video and photographs of it all over the internet. It's a cow in the back seat of a Buick at a McDonald's. That's how you know it's an American cow, y'all. And now we move on to your animal holidays for the week. A quick reminder that September is Save the Koala Month, mate. Crikey. And no, that wasn't Chad Criddle or Ren Howell from Australia butting in here. That was just me doing an absolutely pitch-perfect Australian accent. Or something. Anyway, Saturday, September 4th, is National Wildlife Day, National Hummingbird Day, and International Vulture Awareness Day. I kind of get annoyed when uh, three days are on one date, and then there are many other days with nothing going on, but hey, whatever. Then Tuesday, September 7th, is International Manatee Day. If only, if only when I was in Florida, I had spent time at Moat Marine Laboratory with their manatees and was going to release a special manatee episode on International Manatee Day. Oh, wait, I am. I totally am. And it's going to be awesome. And you're going to love it. So uh, I can't wait to share that with y'all. It is also Threatened Species Day. And those are your animal holidays for the week. With, of course, a quick friendly reminder that we're coming up on Saturday, September 18th, which is International Red Panda Day. Make your plans to celebrate now. I already have. And there you have it, folks. Another week of Rasafari Zoo News is in the books. I would like to say a special thank you to the people who submitted stuff for me this week. Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross, Kim Cooley, Jacob Newman, Colleen Adams, Liz Dunleavy, and Katie Prop. Also, thank you to my Red Panda patrons, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, Laura Shank and PJ Bevan. And remember, friends, Newsy Credits Backwards is Steiderk Yiswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.